welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. The one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. I can't believe it's 2017. What an incredible year it was. A good year. Big year of change, uh, certainly in the United States and around the globe, and also another year of change in marketing. So uh, thanks for tuning in several times a month. Listen to the program. Hope you've been enjoying it. Let me know. I love to hear feedback from the folks that are listening in. You can reach out to me on email or on LinkedIn, but love to get your feedback. And next year, looking to do the program and even increase the frequency of the episodes that we're doing. So be sure to subscribe. Today on the program, I've got Andrew Gaffney. Andrew and I have known each other for a very long time. If you don't know Andrew, he is the publisher of Demand Gen Report. And Demand Gen Report is almost about nine years old, and he's been covering the space uh, with their e-zine and website, and uh, very much a thought leader and has a phenomenal team just covering everything happening in the world of MarTech and demand generation. He's also the founder of and content director for Content for Demand, which is a service helping marketers create demand gen oriented content, you know, content that's specifically designed to get response at the top of the funnel and engage with your customers. And he also is the publisher and host of the B2B Marketing Exchange, which is going on uh, this year, once again in Arizona. We'll talk about that later in the program. So, Andrew, thanks for joining me. Good to have you on the program. Hey, Dave. Uh, Good to talk to you. Thanks for having me today. Well, it's great to have you, and we have a lot to cover. So let's jump right in. You know, 2017 was a year again of the three-letter acronym ABM, and we heard a lot about it. So, Andrew, why don't you kick us off by talking about your perspective on ABM? And again, the noise level was very high, but love to get your perspective on year number two of such a very noisy uh, category of MarTech and strategy. Yeah, I think uh, what I was seeing, David, in, in 2016, I think, you know, the, the noise level was so high and the hype, you know, the factor w- was so rapid that I, I saw a lot of marketers get caught sort of by surprise. I heard a, a couple of marketing directors said to me, you know, I, I heard a CMO come up to me at my desk one day and say, we have an ABM strategy, right? So I think people just felt like they had to be, you know, with, with the movement. And as you know, most people in the in the space know, ABM is not a new uh, practice or principle. It's it's been going on for for a long time, especially on the sales side. But to have more of a disciplined, you know, dedicated effort, you know, to be more targeted from the marketing side, I think has been a, a bit of a flip of the switch. Um, and I think that's become you know more of a realization and a reality in 2017. So. You know, I've seen a couple of things take shape. I think there, there, there's a little bit of you know suspicion now, where where people felt like, all right, it was so loud and so noisy in 2016 that I'm going to be a little more guarded in my expectations in 2017. So I think we've seen some element of that. But I think it's also been you know realization that that people this is going to be the new the new norm. I think people you know it's not like okay it came and went like a lot of other things that get hyped up really quickly. I think it's it's a discipline change that. Uh, people have to be in lockstep. You know, marketing organizations and B2B have to be in lockstep with their sales teams. So when sales teams you know, are focused on a set of key accounts, marketing has to be with that and show how they how they influence that and have intelligence and reporting around that. So the good news is there's a you know number of tools and solutions that have popped up around that. So there's, there's options of how they can they can make that move. Um, I think there's a lot of good examples out there. We have a, a side publication we started called ABM in Action, where we've produced over 30 different case studies, really trying to get uh, you know 
actionable looks at, at what um, B2B practitioners are doing out there, what they've encountered as they've moved to ABM, what some of the results are. So that's been you know, exciting for us. It's been an exciting area around the event. We also do an ABM study that we, we've done now for two years. I think one of the interesting things we found, um, sort of balancing that hype factor, we, we asked how satisfied you are with the impact of your ABM efforts in your organization. And we had more than 70% said that, that it was either meeting or exceeding their, their goals. That's great. So again, I th- yeah, I think it's it, it's it's a it, it's a new norm to some extent, and I think the folks that have made the investment in time to switch over their processes, integrate new solutions, are definitely seeing the path. We've seen the same, and you know, I think um, for those of you listening in, haven't connected with you on LinkedIn, do a, a quick search for David Lewis, or if we're connected, go look at one of the posts that I did recently around predictions for next year, and in that post. Someone wrote, there will be, you know, basically a new thing that gets hyped in marketing of what you're supposed to be doing. And you really talking to that, Andrew, right, a couple of years ago was, is this another topic for the hype train uh, that everybody's trying to rally around and create noise and attention, or is this here to stay? And agree with you 100% that this is here to stay. We have been helping our clients over the past year and a half with their ABM strategy, their ABM processes, and their ABM technology. And you need all three. And um, it's it's definitely not hype. And it's working, too. Demand gen, just, just, just to give a little uh, self-perspective, uh, we had probably our best year ever in terms of adding new clients. And I really uh, attribute that. Nothing really changed in the market. There wasn't any external factors. It was internal factors. The alignment between our sales and marketing leadership is phenomenal. We brought in a number of ABM-oriented tools and technologies ourselves, and we've been using those tools. So we are practicing what we preach, and we definitely saw the benefit of doing that. When you think about, Andrew, how targeted we are and who we are reaching out to and want to reach out to, uh, we we said let's let's bring these tools and strategies into demand gen and paid off tremendously. So um, seeing it, but our clients do it and seeing uh, the success. Another thing, Andrew, I don't know uh, if you picked up on this, but remember years ago when marketing automation was just a tool that people had responsibility for in marketing, and then there became the marketing automation manager, and we've seen uh, certainly the marketing operations manager or director, VP, whatever level, we now are seeing the ABM manager as well in our clients uh, take hold as a role, um, typically in much larger organizations, but not always the case. Uh, those that know the significance and importance of it are making an investment in a designated role. So that was a big change observation of 2017 as well. You seeing that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we hear some of the, the folks, I think with any of the folks that are having success, it's, it's integrated and it's a disciplined approach. It's not like a random campaign that's, you know, more account focused. So, and then, like you said, I think we're seeing more folks, whether they call them ABM managers or something else, they're kind of embedded marketers that have a really uh, targeted approach and look at targeted metrics. So, yeah, I agree. It's, 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 uh, I think it's a fundamental shift that that's only going to evolve and grow as we move forward. Yeah. Well, you know, there will be there will be some new shiny new toys and and processes next year. So if you haven't made a prediction, jump over to my LinkedIn post and add your own uh, prediction. Andrew, you can do it too. So um, it's good to see everybody's putting in there. It's kind of kind of cool. Let's um let's talk about content, which has always been a passion of yours. You've been a great personal coach to me in my content. I've spoke at lots of your different conferences, and I always appreciate you just leaning in personally and giving some advice, talking to me about the audience and what they're looking for, but 
your your roots in content is really about content for demand thus the name of your um, other sister company and you guys really specialize in helping clients create content that is going to move the needle on lead generation and engagement um, what do you think has been happening? You know, this has been around for a while. We're not, you know, just learning about it's, you know, no longer writing about your product and your features and the specs and all that, that you've got to do a different type of content publishing. What are you seeing, uh, you know, in terms of, uh, trends in, in the content area as well? Well, like we talked about with ABM, I think, you know, any hot area, the noise level gets, gets, you know, pretty loud pretty fast. So I think, um, you know, where we were seeing companies a year or two having to get caught up that they didn't feel like they had enough content. Um, I think that, that, that sort of train has, has left the station. But I think where we're seeing, you know, the interesting moves, you know, content for demand, we work with a, a number of different clients from, from really large organizations like Oracle to really high growth companies like, like Veracode that was recently acquired by CA. Um, what we're seeing is a shift from content that is sort of uh, a monologue approach to, okay, we're going to write a white paper and we're going to tell you all of this great thought leadership about topic X to something that's more conversational. So interactive is a big element of that that we're seeing in content. A lot of the interesting successes we're seeing are um, it allows the buyer to self-navigate. So the, you know, the, the audience recipient of it, instead of getting uh, you know a flat white paper that it's like, okay, go spend an hour and read this and then you'll be ready to buy my product. Um, the experiences are much different. They can choose the areas within a, a content that they may want to focus on. So if there is you know, some case studies in a piece that they can drill down and spend time there. Uh, but it, it creates more of a dialogue between the content creator and the recipient. Um, so we're, we're seeing things like iPapers, um, any kind of quizzes or assessments, any of those uh, you know, formats and platforms that you can create that, again, allow allow the buyer to, to navigate while they're reading and experiencing it, um, and also potentially get some intelligence back. So I think that's one of the, the dimensions. Also, because the noise level is really loud, um, you know, we're trying to, we're seeing good success with brands that are doing, you know, a mix of both short and long form content. So I think, you know, the, the length and, and sort of weight of, of pieces we're seeing B2B markers give a lot more thought to. So there's still the need for what you know we call like big rock assets. So it could be a big research piece or a really lengthy, weighty ebook. Uh, but we're also seeing you know more creative ways for for marketers to do something you know really short form, quick and easy for a buyer, and stuff that can be you know we talk a lot about buyer stage, and I know it's stuff you've you've talked about over the years. But you know we can do something a content piece that talks about the deployment stage. You know, so if you're ready to deploy, there's ten things to to keep in mind. But the shorter you can keep them, the more act interactive you can keep them, and the more visually interesting, I think those are the big trends we're seeing. So in terms of if you were to, to give advice on best practice, long form or short form, what's better in most situations are you finding? It's definitely mixed. I'd say, um, uh, you know, at the top of the funnel, you want to have big, you know, at least one or two big, uh, big rock assets that can be, um, you know, sort of searchable assets that if I'm trying to research a topic, it's something I must have, and then really quick accessible things that may not need to be gated, like, you know, compelling infographics or uh, things, listicles, another new format that we're seeing a lot of success with. So things that are lighter weight, easy to get in and out of, and then the, the bigger rock assets. Um, and then, you know, mid or middle, late stage, I think it's, it's you should be more short form, uh, things that just reinforce and help them uh, progress along in the buying journey. Yeah. We've seen, you know, one of the categories I, I mapped all the martech stuff into seven essential categories of, of tools 
and certainly these content publishing tools are, are in one of those categories in content management. We ourselves, so we use video, we use digital content, we use physical, so we do print on demand and, and physical pieces. Um, we certainly use audio, like the people who are tuning in Demand Gen Radio. We do, um, we do video that's hosted on our website. We also produce a lot of short form uh, video more this past year than we've done in the past. So uh, to your point, we do it all. I remember years ago, you guys, uh, we did a, a lead scoring ebook together. In fact, I think it was the first publication ever on there that really demystified exactly how to implement two-dimensional scoring. It was a fun project that the two companies worked on uh, together. And that was a longer format piece and, and really good. I still get a lot of compliments on it today. Still still relevant. Um, Let's talk about data then because, you know, none of this is going to work unless you know who you're targeting. ABM doesn't work unless you're targeting. Uh, your demand generation programs are not that effective unless you are targeting. Analytics and scoring doesn't work if you're, if you're targeting. So data has become really important. Before I ask you some questions about, you know, where you're seeing some trends here, the interesting observation that I've picked up is even though as marketers we've always known our whole careers – that the list matters, and whether that's a physical list or a digital list, right? Everybody just mailed out holiday cards. You know, how many of those are getting returned for bad addresses, right? We've got to have good data. In observation, I don't see people, marketers, putting data in as a row in their budgets. They're not funding for data. And whether that's data orchestration tools or data hygiene initiatives or data-oriented resources and uh, audience acquisition, it's buried somewhere else if they are budgeting for it, but it's not really being a separate line item. And certainly, you know, you've got all the, the analytics tools. Any Anything else that you're observing in terms of where there's a maybe disconnect between where data uh, is and, and where it's going um, or just some trends that you're seeing because you've got a good pulse on it? Yeah, I think it's it's been interesting because, you know, as long as you've been, you know, an early advocate and leader around the marketing automation space, I mean, you really couldn't make marketing automation work well without good data. So there were, there, I think sort of phase one of marketing automation was we're just going to try to build up as big a database as possible. We're going to try to get, you know, hundreds of thousand names in there, and then hopefully that noise will, will lead to more conversion of business. I think, you know, there's been a, a shift that people realize that that's not always, you know, the effective approach. But, you know, even in those days, I felt like, okay, well, you're, 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 building up your database, so you're going to need a data strategy. It's going to be an area you're going to need to invest in. I think people have done it sort of as needed when the pain got so high that, okay, well, let's go figure out what we're going to do about it. Um, I, I think we might finally be turning the corner. We, we do a database uh, strategies and acquisition survey that we recently wrapped up. Um, you know, it's not surprising, uh, it validates everything you were saying, that um, 83% said that um, their data is old and outdated, and that's one of the, the biggest problems that they, they see around it. Um, 64% said they, they didn't have enough data on current customers. So to support an acquisition strategy, to support nurturing, obviously, you know, you need more than, than one data. There's so many complexities uh, around that. And then we're also seeing, you know, a, a renewed uh, emphasis. I've seen you talk about it as well. People are trying to move in marketing beyond acquisition now. And how can they maybe communicate more effectively with their customers, whether it be onboarding or starting to fuel that, that uh, cross-sell, upsell? So I think that, you know, to do that well, you still need to, you know, update the data. From a budget standpoint, I think one of the things that we've seen is it's never been sexy. Uh, it's never been really strategic that a lot of CEOs are probably saying, hey, let's spend more on data. But I do think, you know, with that same survey, uh, we asked what percentage of your overall marketing budget will be dedicated to database management 
over the next 12 months. And, and we saw an increase in this year. So um, more than 33% that said it would be between 6 and 10%, which is, you know, it's not huge, but it's a, it's a slice of the budget. And I think if, if it starts to make its way in there and have its own line, uh, that's pretty important. And more than 20% said it would be you know, between you know, 11% or, or 25%. So I think it, it's starting to account for it. And the, the driver we see there is so many of the uh, initiatives that we're talking about today, whether it be ABM, personalization, again, you know, segmentation. To do any of that well, you really need you know, data becomes even more of, of a multiplier. So I think that's where we're finally getting people to say, okay, if, we, if we're – needing to reach more people in an organization for accounts or, or some of these other initiatives, we, we are going to need richer data. We're going to need it to be current. Uh, so I think it is finally starting to see some, some budget uptick, to your point. Yeah. We, we do a lot in data ourselves. We've, we've created all kinds of great contact washing machines, you know, tools for automatically enriching, appending, and normalizing. That's been a big part of our practice for the last several years. Uh, we're certainly helping companies in ABM and get all their targeting and, and segmentation done. Segmentation is key not only for ABM, right, but for content, personalization, getting all your personas operationalized. So we've definitely, I mean, it's a whole pillar of our practice. One of our six pillars of services is in the data area. We've got data scientists on our team. So we wouldn't be scaling our services and our resources there for our clients if we didn't see trends in more investment and time being spent here. But like you said, it's not a sexy topic to talk about in the boardroom like, hey, we just overhauled our database and did X, Y, and Z. And it's normally in the past a reactive initiative to having to get bloat out of their database because the marketing automation vendors are charging by the size of the data database. So they're trying to get bloat out of, of old contacts. And so it's kind of reactive as opposed to real proactive data management strategy. And we are seeing the role of a data operations manager um, start to show up in our clients as well. Uh, the expression, switching to a new topic, uh, there's no silver bullet in marketing. So you got to do omni-channel and you have to do more than just send emails. Uh, everyone gets that. But what are you seeing in terms of uh, changes and transitions around multi-channel marketing. What's uh, what's the research that you guys have collected there? Yeah, I think you know it's, it's twofold. Like you, you mentioned, uh, I think there's an over reliance on email, and, and especially with GDPR coming up for global companies, I, I think they're realizing that if that's where most of their marketing you know, results or initiatives were driven, they're, they're going to need to shift. So that's one element of it. I think the other is traditional uh, outbound advertising. You know, I'm just going to run ads on, on certain different sites and hope, hope it performs. I think that's also starting to see more diminishing returns. So uh, we recently did a study looking at uh, owned, earned, and paid media and saw a real uptick in, in earned media. Um, more than 80% of the folks we, we polled said that they were either investing more in earned media uh, in terms of their integrated and performance marketing strategy or planning to. Um, and I think you know that that's interesting because earned for us you know, historically earned has kind of been associated just with PR that you know what, where can we um, you know get our name out there and you know who might pick up our press release. I think it's becoming more integrated into if we're creating our own content, if we have uh, thought leadership, if we do studies. Um, how can that, you know, earn us placement in you know, industry publications? I think it ties into influencer marketing, which we're seeing as a big trend. So I think as, as people are, are seeing it, 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 you know, harder to just pull the lever on, okay, well, we'll do ads and we'll do outbound. Um, you really need to, to be optimized across all channels, and you need to be thinking about how to use, you know, a balance of and have all of your 
owned, earned, and paid uh, channels working as, as efficiently as possible and working together as much as possible. It's um, We've seen at a number of our clients uh, where you've got the demand marketers and you've got the marketing technology group, let's say, let's call it marketing operations and demand generation, those teams really geeking out on how to take the content that they're creating for their campaigns and thinking about how the timing and integration is going to work across all these channels so they can leverage the tools for ad retargeting and all the outbound as well as the inbound marketing and trying to get all those different content pieces lined up. It's it's definitely um, a jigsaw of puzzle pieces to get it all done right, and it's exciting to, to watch them. Let's um let's talk about Martech a little bit. Something you know that I am super passionate about. For those of you that don't know, you're hearing it first. I am working on a new book that's going to be out in 2018, all about how to be a full stack marketer. And uh, Andrew, you know, you and I have seen this over the past decade. This this industry change from just marketing automation, some of the early tools, to now over. 5,000 uh, tools and more to come. But we know one thing is going to happen in 2018. You, you, what's that prediction? You, you, let's see if you say it first. Well, definitely be consolidation. That's the C word, yeah. yeah and we're starting to yeah. see it. We're starting to see a lot of partnerships get announced, which is a first step towards consolidation. And, um, you know, people realizing that one and one is three, but uh, definitely going to see a lot of consolidation uh, in the tool space. Some it's going to happen, right, Andrew? Because some people just won't make it. They won't get more yep. funding. They'll run out of steam, and they'll just disappear because their idea, either down to a marketing challenge or a sales challenge or just, just not having enough ramp. We'll also see consolidation because some of the companies you know, want to bring these tool sets in. But you know what we haven't seen? I can't think of any major acquisition that happened in the, in the billion-dollar range this year by any of the big marketing cloud companies. Am I missing some? I just... None off the top of my mind. No, no, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think what uh, I think has been sort of a pressure from you know the VCs. Uh, you know, when you know two years ago we probably looked at the the Martech landscape. You know, the map that Scott Brinker and others have worked on, and it was an exciting time. There was the the premise that well, marketing is going to spend more on technology than IT. You know, that, that idea has some holes in it because, as you know, anytime you bring in technology, it's, it's a multifaceted thing. It's not like marketing brings it in and figures everything out on their own. So I think what, what's happened is, you know, these, these solutions, a lot of them are, um, you know, have great uh, interfaces and are fairly easy to use, but, you know, it, it needs to be a well-thought-out plan. So I think the idea that, okay, we'll use this and then we'll use this and, you know, sort of be magic dust and everything that you want to happen uh, we'll, we'll just sort of start to run much better. I think you. So I think what we're hearing from marketers at this point, I think there there is more pressure on the funding side that that VCs where where they may have written a check a lot easier. Of, okay, we want to be in the game. We want to have the next you know uh, exciting martech solution. They're pressuring more to say how quickly can you be profitable, and I think that's made it harder for the companies in that five thousand. Uh, map of like, okay, well, how can we do that? How can we be, you know, quicker to that? And and I think that's you know forced the 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 smaller pool of companies that would make that billion dollar acquisition to maybe sit back and say, let's who's gonna let's see who's gonna make it through this wave of attrition, who's really got staying power on their own. So I think that that you know it's sort of pressuring on both sides from a a B two B practitioner standpoint. What we're hearing is you know B two B marketers are now trying to be more judicious to say. Yeah, I'm kind of interested in, in this new area. I'm kind of interested in this new area. How do I prioritize them? How do I think about how they integrate? 
how do I, you know, make sure these guys are the right fit for me for the long haul? So I think they're, you know, looking at companies like yourself to help them figure that out. And I know that's a, an area you, you put a lot of time and, and focus on. I know it's an area you're going to be helping to do a, a workshop at, at our event in February. So, you know, I put it back to you to, to add a little more color to what you're seeing on that side. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. We have seen this year uh, the need and demand for MarTech assessments and more than any other. I mean, in the past, we've done some, but it's mainly been around, should I migrate from marketing automation A to marketing automation system B? Or we've done some help in, in terms of white spacing. What tools should they be getting to round out their stack? And this year, we've done many MarTech assessments and really perfected it. We've developed an entire set of, of tools to help our clients go through questions like, okay, for every one of your MarTech tools, what is the impact that that tool is having? How much adoption do you have at the tool? How much usage do you have at the tool? And how well integrated it is? And those are some of the four key criteria that we look at. And we do these assessments across their, I wouldn't say entire stack. I mean, you're only going to do it across the tools that are essential and that you're spending money on. And so we've got some killer output documents that help them see, you know, their investment level to their um, ROI and, and doing that. And so when you ask me, you know, hey, what uh, what do you want to do in terms of workshop this year at the conference? I said, let's, let's do an assessment and um, bring some people that are there at the conference to teach them this process of assessing all of their tools. So I'm really looking uh, forward to that. It's it's been great to do for our clients, and I'm going to enjoy the workshop format at the conference. Um, before we wrap up, Andrew, let's let's give these guys some details about your event because I think some people have either never been before or don't know when it's taking place. So, give us the lowdown: when, where, okay, and great. who should attend. Okay, so um, our event is the B2B Marketing Exchange. It actually expanded. It had been run for five years as the Content to Conversion Conference. Started on the East Coast and then expanded uh, out west to Scottsdale. So in 2018, it will be February 19th through the 21st at the Fairmont Princess in Scottsdale. It's a beautiful venue. Um, it runs, it starts on, on the Monday where it's more of a hands-on day where we do workshops, including the one that you'll, you'll be running that you just discussed, but there's a, a menu of nine different workshops that folks can, can participate in. They tend to be uh, smaller groups, like I said, really hands-on where you're doing some exercises and, and get one-to-one -one time with the facilitators and breaking out into small groups. We then do uh, vendor case studies where you know, you'll get a um, look at how different B2B practitioners are using some of those different solutions we talked about in different areas. Uh, there's a mix of those in the afternoon. So Monday's a great day to come in, uh, really spend time before the session start, digging into areas that, that you're trying to figure out. Um, and then Tuesday and Wednesday are great days. We have uh, a mix. We have six different analysts from Serious Decisions that are speaking. We've got authors, including Brian Solis. So a lot of the areas that we talked about earlier, there's a whole track on ABM. As a whole track, our demand gen summit. And we have enough good feedback that it is all B2B focused. And we take that very seriously that we really, every speaker we talk to, we make sure it's a B2B study, a B2B example, and, and B2B points around that. And then we try to have as many B2B practitioners actually present their, you know, real world case studies. So the feedback we get, we're really proud of over the years. It is actionable stuff that they could take back to their teams the next day. We get a mix of, uh, in terms of who should come. We're getting a lot more teams that are coming this year. We've had uh, a lot more folks reach out about saying they want to bring four or five people because there are the different tracks going on, focus tracks. And it's everyone from marketing ops to demand gen titles, more of the you know account oriented teams that we're seeing. But you know any B two B marketer that's very performance oriented, we think we'll get great value out of it. It is a great venue. It's gorgeous, and everyone you know some of the best ideas in your career and in your role 
come from when you were out of the office. So if you need an excuse to get out of the office, start with this one, and uh, it's a great conference. And as you said, Monday's workshop day. I'm doing a workshop. Encourage you all to attend if you want to figure out, you know, how well you're doing with your Martech stack. I'll run you through the tool sets that we use and be a very interactive format as well. And as you hear, Andrew's got a ton of other great speakers that will be there. What about the fun stuff? What do you guys got planned? Last year there was fireworks, I remember. What do you guys got? Uh, yeah, we, have, we, we think we have a really cool opening night uh, party. So on that Monday night for all the folks that get in early, we uh, we have some really cool musical acts that, that in the outdoor area. The weather's been great. It's kind of prime time to be in Arizona. And then we kick that night off with a fireworks display. Um, you know, some, some great uh, entertainment that you'll get uh, Tuesday and Wednesday uh, as well. So, yeah, we think it's a, it's a really chill format. You'll get a lot of time one-on-one networking and, and again, beautiful venue. Definitely, and in a great city. If you have never been to Arizona before or you're planning on going to the conference again this year, don't forget to bring your hiking shoes and shorts and all that kind of stuff. There are some of the best hiking trails around and if you want reach out to me i'll give you some suggestions because every time i go to arizona i'll do pinnacle peak or some of the others and it's fun and maybe we'll get out there as a group together and and do some of that well andrew thanks for getting on the program looks like we are winding up and i want to wish you and your team uh, a very very happy new year and happy holidays i want to thank you always for being a great inspiration to me and encouraging me to take the stuff that we do for our clients and the stuff that's in my head and get it down on paper uh, you've been a, a great personal coach there. So thank you for coming on the program and being part of my team. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. I always enjoy working with you, David. So have a good holiday to you and your family, and I uh, look forward to talking with you soon. Sounds good. We'll see you soon. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to Demand Gen Radio. That's going to conclude it for this episode and for Demand Gen Radio for the year. And look for more episodes at the beginning of the year, and I think we'll be stepping up our frequency. So if you haven't already subscribed uh, to this podcast, good excuse to hit that subscribe button uh, so that you get notified of all the new episodes. And we got a lot coming for you next year in 2018. Happy holidays, everyone. Take care. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing.